Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Huddle Up with Howard. He's Howard Richards. I'm Mike Claiborne. And, Howard, we have a lot to cover this afternoon uh, with regard to football, both pro and college football. So should we start with the Washington Commanders? I mean, when it rains, it pours. I mean, I don't know what else they could say. Now they're being uh, sued by the government. They got a couple of cases being filed against them, and it looks like the commissioner is going to be involved in this along with some few, a few other owners who are going to be deposed if they can't get this thing thrown out in time. Yeah, I don't know that uh, it'll get to the point where they can throw it out. There may be too many smoking guns involved, um, and I don't know that just selling this team is actually the solution for Daniel Snyder and uh, uh, his wife and family. Um, but by the same token, you know, what other kinds of dirty laundry, what else will we find out as a result of what happens here? Uh, because if, if you're going to try to pull Dan Snyder into it, he's already indicated. He's going to take somebody with him. <laughs> so, um, folks, get your popcorn ready. It's going to be an interesting show for the next uh, probably two to three years. And, and you know, one of the other things about this, and this is where we would have been going had Stan Kroenke gone to court with St. Louis. I mean, the one thing this league could ill afford is to have their laundry aired in the public because they're being accused of deceiving the public as it is. And and, and with this on top of it, uh, this is not a good look. And I don't know if they can get off from under this one like they did with Stan Kroenke. You know, yeah, Kroenke that was a civil issue there. This is This is more... This is a government issue with a government suing them. So th this could get real messy. And oh, by the way, the government can spend money with the best of them. So it's not one of those situations where you can wait these guys out. You can't. How many times have individuals or entities sued the government in one? You can probably count on one hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen very often. So I'm anxious to see how this thing unfolds. Uh, moving to the field. There, you know, there's so many stories going on in the NFL, but I guess the biggest one now is we have some quarterbacks that are having some issues. And I'll start with Josh Allen. You know, when you start talking about the ulnar nerve, and for anybody who knows what I'm talking about with regard to baseball, that's we're talking about Tommy John-like issues here as far as the surgery is concerned. Yeah, pretty much right in this area. And mm -hmm. uh, it affects everything you do with regard to the throwing, uh, everything from having pain to no feeling. And that certainly affects the delivery of the ball. Uh, I think they'll just have to kind of wait and see. You know, the, the way Buffalo's playing now, it may just be in Buffalo's best interest just to sit and wait, let him rest, uh, and see if that's the best cause as opposed to, you know, trying to do anything invasive right now. Um, but I, I'm sure that, uh, uh, you know, the, the medical professionals uh, with the Bills will – We'll get him in front of the best uh, uh, doctors to make a determination as to, you know, the nature of his injury and how long he might be out. But, you know, the thing with this is it's such a unique injury for football players, quarterbacks. You, you normally don't see this. So this is one of those deals where is rest going to be good enough? Because this isn't something you can play through. No, not at all. Um, especially when you're talking about nerves. Mm -hmm. um, th there's no timetable. Um, you, they may tell you one thing, three to four weeks, six weeks. It could be a whole lot longer than that. Um, so I, I think, you know, people are probably waiting uh, with bated breath <clears throat> as to what the ultimate outcome will be. But, you know, hopefully for Josh Allen, because he's such a competitor, such a good player, 
hopefully this is something that uh, will pass relatively soon because you hate to see really good careers end, uh, you know, w- with injury. Uh, you yeah, just do. No doubt. Uh, trust me, I can relate to that. Uh, <laughs> also, um, uh, the kid for the Rams is Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. He's yeah. having issues. Um, Kyler Murray's got some issues going, working against hamstring. him. Yeah, you know, fortunately for the Cowboys, Prescott's back and seemingly uh, okay. But listen, this is a long season, and the 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 bottom line is, uh, you better have a backup quarterback that can get it done for you, uh, because you just have to expect now with an additional week in the NFL season, um, it's hard to to project the quarterback finishing, you know, all seventeen games. You know, and I, I think the same can be said for offensive linemen. I think yeah. the grind that these guys deal with on a weekly basis, it catches up to you. And you're seeing so many teams having problems with their offensive line, trying to find some healthy people who, A, uh, are healthy, B, know the plays, and C, have a little skill to go with it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, just ask uh, the Dallas Cowboys and Tyron Smith. Uh, I-, I think the Cowboys have actually gotten a better break than they anticipated uh, with Tyler Smith at left tackle. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, hope that he was ready to play the position, but I think he has played relatively well, yeah. given the fact that he's, he's a left tackle uh, in the NFL and had started his career in the NFL playing guard. So he seemingly has made the adjustment. Um, wondering how he finishes the year, then wondering if it makes – Tyron Smith expendable going forward. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm of the belief you never have enough good linemen. Well, so no I'm, doubt. Yeah, now, can you afford them? That, that's a whole <laughs> other subject. Exactly, that's a whole other subject. Um, NFL, give me your thoughts. I mean, we're, we're we're at the halfway mark for the most part, and to be honest with you, I don't see this being what I call a, a, an ideal season for a lot of teams. Um, you know, we talked about Green Bay at nauseum. I mean, they got bigger problems than Aaron Rodgers. They just don't have enough good players. You look at the Rams, who how they've regressed over the course of the year. The same can be said for Tampa. On the other side of the coin, who's Kirk Cousins? Is this a new Kirk Cousins in Minnesota? I mean, this this guy and that team is playing as well as anyone other than the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, so they've they've only got one loss. And if you just look at the quality of their wins, which – ultimately don't matter at this point because they're wins they're headed, uh, in their division. Uh, but they have done so by the skin of their teeth. Um, they have not necessarily uh, looked at fantastic winning. Uh, but again, you know, they've, they've got the, the, the record to prove it. Now, is this team capable of, of playing better down the road? Uh, maybe, maybe we're as, they're as good as, as we're going to see them. Kirk Cousins is, you know, he's always been a talented guy, but seemingly uh, he has a stretch during the season where um, he just kind of falls apart, starts a lot, making a lot of mistakes, throwing interceptions. Um, so, so don't really know what to expect from this team. Um, but it, again, in that division, it's going to be an interesting ride. Um, who, who else? The, New Orleans didn't have a quarterback. They've been struggling. Uh, Denver, who would have thought that Russell Wilson would have had all the issues yeah. Um, that he's had. Um, it, it's just been crazy. Now, the interesting interesting uh, thing with the Cleveland Browns, uh, with Jacoby Brissett being the de facto starting quarterback 
uh, in lieu of Deshaun Watson's suspension, what happens when Watson comes back? Should he play? Now, this is an injury situation, but I think Jacoby Brissett has played well enough to remain the starter until you, you tell me he can't be the starter. I don't know that a guy who hasn't played in what now, I guess, a year and a half of football should automatically be pushed into the starting rotation. You know, I was thinking about the fact maybe they give him a couple of series per game, a couple of series, mm-hmm. maybe one series per half just to get him worked into it. And, you know, as you mentioned, Brissett has done a nice job, but and I don't want to see him just walk away. And, you know, you're paying him a lot of money also. But I would try and, as you mentioned, just gradually insert him and probably would put him in a situation where he'd get a couple of series per game. Yeah, and I think that would be the uh, the most wise thing to do if you're Cleveland. Um, yeah, but this is Cleveland. So but it's Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Here. Good point. You don't want to step on, you no. know, a reasonably good thing with the guy playing well. You know, how does how does it affect Jacoby's Brissett? How, how does it affect his mindset? You know, I've been the guy. I've been playing well, and all of a sudden, you know, I get this guy who's who's been out not because of injury, but because of some personal issues. And then you're just going to give him the starting job back. Uh, I don't know. I'd feel a certain kind of way if I were him. It's going to be interesting. It's yeah. going to be very interesting. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, there's been some whispers recently about players complaining about the playing surfaces. You know, the uh, synthetic turf has kind of reared its ugly head again. And, you know, I think we're about to have a deluge of, of athletes who are going to have some real bad hip, ankle, knee problems in the future. Because we're seeing it play used on high school levels. And I can tell you, the high school surfaces may not be as good as what we see on the pro services. So if the pros are bitching about this, you know, the high school kids and the college kids really don't have a voice. Where do we go with this? And you played on it. And how much of a toll did it take on your body now that you've been off the off the field for a while? Well, I'll say this. If I didn't practice on grass in college, and on grass at Dallas, I don't know that I could have played seven years. <clears throat> I always felt good playing on grass, mm-hmm. uh, but it was the artificial surfaces that, you know, you, you walk away after a game on that stuff. And I mean, you feel the effects of it. Um, one of the maybe most well-known cases of a professional football player who has blamed not necessarily playing the game itself, on injuries in his physical condition, but has actually blamed the artificial surfaces is Dan Deardorff. Oh, yeah. He said this over and over that, you know, he he is the way he is because of playing on a really, really And practiced on it, too. Yeah, and practiced on it, too. To me, you're really doing your players a disservice uh, if you don't figure out a way to have uh, a grass field or multiple grass fields, you know, for your players to, uh, to practice on. And I think it does take its toll. And, and listen, I don't. It, the data's there, uh, but how much do teams really care about it? I don't they know. Don't they're care. saying that they're improving the services, but man, it's it's hard. You may not feel it in your first, uh, you know, up until probably the age of 23, 24. But trust me, after that, you're going to start to feel it. What about kids though now that are playing on it in high school? Think about that. I mean, I, their window is getting closed a lot sooner also. It's going to have a net effect on them down the road. Just like um, you talk to a lot of kids that played, let's just say, JFL football here in St. Louis or Pop Warner, whatever you want to call it. 
those guys that were playing at eight, nine years old, many of them flame out after high school yeah, because their bodies have been affected by injuries, you know, developing growth plates when you damage those growth plates. Um, a lot of them that are good players can't extend their careers behind that because they played the game so early. <clears throat> if I had a son, I would, you know, really do everything to try to discourage him from playing before the age of 14 or 15. I agree. I think that's the best way to ensure well, you that flag you is a, you have flag. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. Now. But you got to so, it's got to be on grass, not on artificial Yeah, I agree. Surface, the, so. Yeah, the artificial yeah. surface. And I think that's what gives the SEC a little bit of an advantage. You have so many grass fields. Although somebody thought it was a good idea to lay this stuff down in Columbia. But you, you look around the SEC, whether it's LSU or Bama or any of those places, it's grass, grass, and more grass. Yeah, Georgia. I think it, yeah, I think it gives them an advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, because then you look at the Big Ten teams like Ohio State and Michigan, they've been playing on that rug for years. And I just don't see where there's been a real distinct uh, advantage for them. And so, yeah, but again, we, we don't notice it until they're out of the game. And, but hopefully we'll get some players to create this movement while they're still playing to train, change some things. It's going to be hard because it's cheaper to lay this stuff down. It is to put a lawnmower out there. But bottom line is uh, they got to do something. Be, yeah. I don't think they can keep this going. You know, you, you mentioned uh, Missouri. <clears throat> and I heard something a couple of years back about the reason that they took the grass out of Furrow Field was because of, uh, something about the the air not being able to circulate and yeah. it, and it, I just find that odd because all the years that you played on grass we never had a problem we always had a beautiful grass field yeah um, I, so I don't, I don't I'm not I'm buying a little skeptical it. right I'm not I, buying it. and you know what this and Mizzou has one of the best agronomy schools in the country you mean to tell me they don't have some guy in a classroom that can figure out what best grass could be and how to make sure it stays green and ready to be played on give yeah. me a break. I'm not on no sale here. All right. Speaking of college, let's talk a little bit about the rankings have come out. We've seen a couple of lists. Um, this thing's going to decide itself. I, I I know that, you know, TCU is in the, in the conversation now, but you know, it, it really creates a greater emphasis on your conference uh, championship, championship game. Now. It does. Uh, and, it, and again, it's going to decide itself. I, I think it's safe to say a whole lot of things that have to go wrong for Alabama to get back in this thing. And to be honest with you, they may be a year, a year away because of their youth and lack of experience up front in the offensive line. But with that said, I still think uh, Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the country as far as what he's able to do. I have seen so much criticism of Bryce Young this week. It's been astounding um, by people saying that he's not, not, not the best quarterback that Alabama's ever had. Well, who is? I mean, you know. That's what I was just about to say. Of, Jay Barker? Of, uh, Jay Tua, Barker? Tua, AJ McCarron? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, even Jalen Hurts. But I think if you want to measure it by Heisman trophies, there you go. Of recent yeah. quarterbacks in Alabama going back at least 10 years, it's it's been uh, this young man right here, Bryce Young. I mean, he checks all the boxes to me. Now, he might be a little on the small size compared to some of the guys we see, like the LSU quarterback. But what doesn't he do? I mean, he, he he's a great field general. He's got a good arm. He's elusive. And he's smart. I mean, I, I like everything about him. 
So do I. Um, he's athletic. Um, he's a playmaker. His teammates like him. He's a leader, first and foremost. What else do you need in a football player? A guy that can play ball and be a leader at the quarterback position. Um, I, listen, I, I just I think it's it's laughable sometimes when we read the comments and hear the things that come out of people's mouths. Uh, but listen, that's <laughs> that's why our fans have the voices that they do, uh, and that's why they're not coaching and playing. Hey, um, I want to say the best for last in University of Missouri uh, is in action this week. Um, a lot of chatter about last week's game for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I'm not sure what to say because that, that was a very winnable game for a lot of different reasons, and they didn't come up with it. They're getting closer, but I still think they shoot themselves in the foot more than the opposition beats them. If you look at um, you know the two controversial calls, especially the uh, with the punt that sailed over the punter's head, um, of, of course that rule in the NFL reads that once that ball hits the ground, uh, the punter's it, it's a live ball, and mm -hmm. the punter is no longer protected. You know there is no tackle box, if you will. Uh, in college, you know there's the I guess there's an infinite well it, it's a finite tackle box all the way to all the way to the parking lot. All yeah. the way to the parking lot. Yeah. Um, but listen, for the young man that um, Will Norris, who who tackled the punter, he did what he's coached to do. And I can guarantee you that there's probably not a special teams coordinator and certainly in the 130 FBS teams there are that knew that rule. Uh, and that's why everyone just assumed that this, this was this was a big play for the Missouri Tigers and one that conceivably could have propelled them to a win, because I think they would have had the ball right around the four-yard line or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, and, and then, you know, the bubble bursts. <laughs> uh, and then there's a, there's another play uh, where their really good running back, Chris Rodriguez, was stopped on fourth down. I mean, he's clearly stopped before the line to gain to get a uh, first down. And I, I don't know if there was an official review or not, there was never a measurement, which surprised me that uh, the Mizzou sideline did not ask for yeah. a measurement. Uh, I don't know that there's been explanation for that. Um, but it, listen, everyone on the field, everyone in the stands, you know, it, it, even though they can be wrong sometimes, they all saw that uh, Rodriguez was short. Uh, and the official just advanced the ball forward, you know, because his initial spot with his left foot showed that he was behind the line of the game. From where I could see it, I saw the same thing. So, you know, but here's the thing. Missouri had enough opportunities prior to that, you know, to to win the game. They just didn't play well enough. Two of thirteen on third down, had two turnovers. Um, it, it's just it, it's these things. There another guy jumps off sides. Is by the way, it's the same oh. guy that's been jumping off sides, you know, oh, every Lord. week. Um, <laughs> you know, there uh, used to be a time when a guy jump off that much. Either he come out of the game where he'd be running steps or doing gas dr grass drills. On yes, Monday. absolutely. I, I don't know how you get a guy's attention when he keeps making the same mistake. You can't find him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's, I don't know. There's got to be some kind of punitive way that you can make this young man understand you're killing us. You can't do this. I just, um, I don't but it. It, it, I don't either. Um, but that's they're going to have to figure out a way to get over that. They had a, a, a new starting left guard, um, EJ Indoma Ogar, who played pretty well in the South Carolina game, but got hurt early in Kentucky. So they're now they're back to 
Mitchell Walters uh, starting <clears throat> at guard. Um, so I was really excited to see what uh, Endoma Ogar was going to do. I thought he had, he's a guy that worked hard and deserved playing time. I finally got a shot, then he gets hurt. Um, so it's, it is what it is. Uh, Missouri's got to find a way. You got three games to, to win two in order to qualify for a bowl game, the traditional way. Um, and we'll see if they can happen. It starts in, in Knoxville on Saturday. Um, of course, everyone is saying, well, you know, Missouri doesn't have a chance, but listen, uh, we've seen Missouri in four losses, <laughs> you know, by a combined total of something like 18 points. Uh, one score games, most of those games have been decided late in the game, fourth quarter. Uh, you saw the way Missouri played Georgia. You saw the way Georgia thumped Tennessee. So by, by transitive property, Missouri is a 10 point, 10 points better than Tennessee. Now, of course we can't look at it that way. Uh, and the only way for Missouri to win is, is to play, uh, as it played, uh, you know, solid quarters, mistake free. Uh, football, you can't turn the ball over. You got to do well on first and second down, and you got to be productive uh, on third downs. And if you get in short and goal situations, you got to do that. And one more thing, if you get in the red zone, you got to score. So that's like everything <laughs> that they've got to play nearly perfectly. Um, but at some point, you're going to play a good game. It may as well be against uh, one of the best. A teams. good team. Yeah, that's right. You know, and I think one of the things that we we, we don't probably talk enough about you you touched on a little bit. You know they're not getting blown out. It's not like they're getting embarrassed when they do lose games. Now they may embarrass themselves and how they lose, but I mean they're in virtually every game in the fourth quarter, and they just got to be able to put together a legitimate fourth quarter and not beat themselves. And who knows? Maybe Tennessee's got a little bit of a hangover after getting their asses handed to them by Georgia. So you never know. I mean that's why I see SEC. And then you've got what New Mexico State. Mexico State and Arkansas the day after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. to finish the regular season. So there, there is hope, but it starts this weekend. And make Oh, here's another question for you. Whether it's this weekend or New Mexico State, do you think we'll see a quarterback adjustment? Not necessarily taking Brady Cook off the field completely, but maybe Sam Horn gets some reps. Apparently Tyler Macon, he's, he's just um, – I'm so disappointed in how they've handled his situation. Uh, and, and maybe there's a lot of other reasons on why he's not on the field. But in Sam Horn's case, at some point, don't you have to kind of sneak a peek at what you have in order to make sure you don't have to go out and find another quarterback for next year? Yeah, and I think Eli has alluded to that, that there were some spots where he had intended to play Horn, but the game sort of evolved in a way that he couldn't justify doing it. Being a young quarterback uh, with no experience at this level, uh, with a shaky offensive line, so in one way uh, he, he's he's trying to preserve the health and life of his quarterback. Um, but maybe you get him a series in in, in the first quarter. You know, maybe yeah. series two, series three. Just throw him out there and see how he does. You, you, chances are you're not going to lose a game on one series of football. At least if you're if you're somewhat conservative, let him get a taste of the speed of of the game. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Whether it'll happen or not, you know, not for you or me to decide. No, if I was deciding some things, it'd be a whole lot. <laughs> let it go with that. No doubt. Our Richards, as always, sir, it's great to visit. We'll look forward to doing it again next week. We'll have some more football to talk about as we're getting closer to teams becoming bowl eligible. We're getting closer to teams that are 
deciding the fate of their coaching staffs. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what names we start to hear when they're off season, because we're going to see some people move around for sure. And I'll be anxious to see what teams and what people we're going to hear about. Yeah. You'll certainly start to hear it uh, at the collegiate level. Um, you know, just look at Texas A&M. Uh, well, what do they do? His record uh, is worse than the guy he replaced. That's right. That's right. Um, so I, you know, and money has never seemed to be an object for uh, the Aggies. Uh, nor Auburn. Or Auburn, that's right. Yeah, uh, what are they, they're paying, what, $40 million in dead money to, to, to coaches that they fired? Yeah, and um, whatever they owed Brian Harson, you know, half of that was due within 30 days of yeah. uh, his exit. Um, and then I guess they spread out over some unknown period of time for the rest of it. But, um, yeah, it is it is that time of year where the coaching carousel um, well, it's, it's already begun. Uh, so you'll start to see – you may start to see some names surface, at least uh, on the rumor mill. No one will know exactly because no athletic director is going to reveal his or her hand. He's Howard Richards. I'm Mike Claiborne. We thank you for checking us out. This is Carl Hudler with Howard Richards. I'm Mike Claiborne. Have a great day, folks.